This is episode 220 on coming back stronger, how to rehab the mind and body post-injury with Kate Sneddon. You're tuned into Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. I'm your host, Corey Camp, and today we sit down with my friend Kate. She is the founder of Helios Wellness, a training platform focused on helping athletes with ACL injuries come back to what they love with a fresh mind and legs faster than the traditional rehab route. Kate shares her experience as both a physical therapist and former athlete from the University of Delaware. Go Blue Hens, you already know as well as what it's like to navigate life with cystic fibrosis. We all get injured from time to time. Unfortunately, right now, I am rehabbing some injuries myself with all the running miles. But this conversation with Kate really left me in a more therapeutic, better mindset, better state. And I know you'll find value in it as well. So grab your notebook, subscribe wherever it is that you were listening to. That's part of the deal, part of why you're here. You got to go ahead and do that. And now... Let's get on with the show. Kate, how the heck are you? Welcome to Forever Athlete Radio. So good to see your face. Thank you so much for having me. I'm pumped to be here. It's always a good time when we're able to jam with a fellow blue hen. So it's really, I think, awesome that you reached out. Uh, we could had a chance to reconnect a few weeks ago, and I got a chance to learn all the cool stuff that you've been up to post-rowing, which is always what really the show is about is kind of highlighting what people do post-sport and the different routes. Talk to me about like how you decided to go. Well, where were you when like rowing first like stopped? And when did you know that PT and going this route was going to be the thing for you? So I kind of didn't have a lot of time to think about it. I was the, my senior year was just such a, a mess of, you know, rowing is a year-long sport. You have longer races in the fall and shorter sprints in the spring, and it's a lot of traveling every weekend. So between applying for PT school, I would go to, like, drive home to New York or wherever I was interviewing, sometimes in Philly, sometimes I kind of went all over. I had no idea where I stood as a candidate. And then the next day or that afternoon, I'd race to back to school to hitch the bus to the regatta. So it was almost like my wheels were turning so fast. Like, I just got to get this done, got to get this done. That post rowing, like, I didn't even really have time to think about it or even think about my college chapter closing because mm. immediately a new chapter was, was opening. Um, but I definitely felt like kind of once I got my breath back and I started at PT school, I was like, oh my God, like that's completely over. Like it, it almost didn't hit me right away. Um, and I definitely was, it, it was weird because meeting all these new people and they had all come from different places. And I felt like my end of my season just hadn't settled with me. Mm -hmm. um so it's definitely I was lost but I didn't know I was lost until later on when I actually had some some time to think about it and almost I would say even till I left PT school and like because you kind of are still in like a college mindset in a way mm -hmm. you're dorming with people you're living with people and so by the time I got out of PT school I was like well now what like I'm gonna be a 
a physical therapist, but like I had such a such a routine and a strong sense of purpose, and you kind of go from that to having a lot more time, which is not something I ever thought would bother me, mm. but it really bothered me. I feel so that. that was like definitely an, an adjustment period. Um, and now I'm very good at filling my time. So that's no longer an issue. But with rowing, I, I jokingly say I'm, I'm happily retired because the 4 a.m. wake up mm. was not really conducive with, with living a, a full social life. So 100%. that's something I think is like kind of a good thing. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, there's few teams that I think could truly relate to what we were doing in the pool, and you guys at rowing are one of those teams where you fully got the the level of commitment of 4 a.m., wake up, 4.30, wake up, having to get on a bus yeah. in the cold. People don't realize how cold Delaware gets, you know what I oh, mean? Oh, it gets freezing, and especially on the river, you know, you're out there at the bus leaves at my alarm would go off at four oh three, so I'm getting on the bus at four thirty. There is rowing in the winter. You would have icicles on your eyebrows, icicles on your eyelashes. I remember thinking, I've never been this cold in my life. And I had four Under Armors on. So that part I don't miss, but the it taught me a lot. It taught me commitment and you know teamwork and like I'm not just getting up for myself if mm. i don't get my butt out of bed i'm letting everyone in the boat down so yeah i was about to say that needed. that boat doesn't get any lighter if you uh <laughs> doesn't get any easier right no. i'm sure that opens up a lot of can of worms 403 wake up spoken like a true like let's make every minute count in the morning i think that's the you know yes. you're doing a tough sport when you're setting your alarm clock to a weird like odd number like that like I'm pretty sure I was like four thirty. it felt less painful than four four like setting the yeah. alarm specifically to four I was like those extra three minutes are good what's gonna pull me ahead of everyone else yeah but like 405 not enough time to use the bathroom get some food in your stomach like get dressed no get every ready, second you know? counts every second counts <laughs> I love that I love totally. that I'm with you as far as not missing um certain elements and I think that's that's kind of what the show and in, in Forever Athlete as a whole was rooted in was this idea that, you know, you can take the good stuff with you. You know, it doesn't mean like when I heard former athlete originally, I was like, oh, well, everything that I worked for just gets put away in a box and, and we leave it. And instead, what I love about these conversations is finding the things that you take with you and how you still tap into them today and you use them to relate to the people that you get to work with and help. Um, I'm curious to to explore a little bit more. You mentioned that you didn't really give yourself that time to breathe from rowing ending right into PT school, which is very interesting to hear for perspective. I wanted to go to PT school. I didn't have the GPA to get in. And so when swimming ended, it was like, okay, PT school is the next thing. And I, I, for the longest time, just told myself, well, if I had just gotten into PT school, like I would have been in a much better situation. So in a lot of ways, thank you. It's a little refreshing to hear from your perspective that just going into the next thing isn't always the right answer. It doesn't solve all the issues. 
looking back, knowing what you know now, what would you have done maybe differently or like how would you have handled it in a way that really allowed you for that closure in a sense where you were able to process and be like, okay, cool. I can let go of that. I'm not caught up in that anymore. I think that I would have loved to have taken a gap year Mm. and like really actually who I am and who I want to be and like do some traveling and do some of that stuff that isn't just training for a sport and then in a way going right into training for some other task which was physical therapy for me um I I feel like I I'm searching for that team environment and in some respect I found it with my classmates but it's just such a different type of experience. And I, I think it would have been healthy for me to join some type of like rec league. So I mm. could be with people who are like me um, and have like a kind of a healthier transition out of sports. Cause I felt like I put like rowing was my sport and the, the medium that I use was physical activity then I went into school and all I did was go to the library. I, w- I wasn't taking great care of myself physically. And mm-hmm. that's something I really wish I had like taken a breath and been like, you can be something in addition to what you do. So like, I almost in a way feel like going to school, I made that my sport and I wish I didn't do that. Obviously, I w- I'm happy I studied yeah. hard and learned everything, but I think I could have done it in a definitely more balanced way and like taking care of me a little bit more from a, a mental health perspective. Yeah, I feel like that's such an interesting debate because I would say the argument has always been, well, to get top of your class or to be the best on the team or the best in the conference or the country or the world you have to sacrifice things to get there. And I think both could be true. Like, obviously you're not going to be going out five, six times a week and taking care of your body physically and becoming this rock star student. Like something has to give to some extent. How um, do you think you would have been as successful, if not more successful, if you found some more time to prioritize your health, which, the irony of right like you're helping you're studying to learn to help other people be healthy and here you are quote unquote not being healthy so to speak in the process i always find that that's so interesting the irony behind like i find that with this trying to connect people together and build oh, community absolutely. but i'm in my room half the time <laughs> like how, yeah. do we, how do we how do we navigate that you know how would you have navigated that differently well, I almost felt like it was like an OCD tendency where I was like mm-hmm. obsessive about learning the material. And I, I think there's a way to do it where you can, you know, kind of compartmentalize a little bit. Like there's the social me that, you know, loves to, and I'm not particularly talking about like partying, but likes to have meaningful experiences with people, likes to travel and hike and do all of that. And there's school me and and future physical therapy me 
that is best with learning as much as humanly possible and practicing it. And when I'm not practicing it, I feel guilty I'm not practicing it. I think that, you know, with the correct attitude, there's a way to balance those things. And it doesn't have to be that all or none mentality. So like, yes, you do have to sacrifice some things in terms of partying and prioritizing time, but it doesn't have to be, I am this one thing Mm. and approaching it that way. I think we can, more athletes should explore the mentality of like sacrificing the extremes. Like we, we suck at oftentimes the moderation discussion because it's just all in. You know what I mean? Whereas like you can have a social life and we can talk about it in the party sense or just in the meaningful connection sense. You can be intentional with that time just like you would be in training. It just can't be in a way that it then spills over outside of those boundaries. So as long as you're like intentional with your boundary setting and allow freedom and space to play within those, I really do think that you could quote unquote have it all. You just, again, you can't be attached to the extremes of it. You can't black out and <laughs> be out until 4 a.m. and waking up at 4.03 to go, go row. No. In that same breath, you know? I think the extremes are a dangerous place to live for a long time on, on either end of the spectrum for your mental health. If you're burning the candle on both ends, you're not going to feel fulfilled. And even if you are on paper accomplishing, you know, everything you set out to do, you're going to feel pretty empty if if you start to tip the scale either way. Mm -hmm. Well, with the athletes that you see now in the rehab space in particular, as they're coming back, what do you, what's that conversation, that dialogue like with them? And are you seeing an element of, because what I've seen is a lot of athletes go, well, if they can't go all in on their sport, they're going to go all in on that rehab process. They're gonna, and we glorify that, right? We glorify the, the Clay Thompson's coming back mm-hmm. from uh, injury within a, a faster timeline or the Adrian Peterson's who came back better post ACL tear. And it's like, he worked his ass off to get there. Um, how do you see that and how do you manage that now in a position where they can listen to, hopefully they'll listen to you in a way yeah. and, and you manage that, that dialogue of, you don't have to go all in on this. Like there's more to you than what you're rehabbing too. A big part of what I preach and I particularly try to use effort, not outcome. Mm. So uh, a big part of what I do is, in, in the rehab space is I try to make an exercise that's hard because then you will facilitate um, neurological and strength changes. Um, so really try to teach athletes to not attach to if they're being successful at it, if the desired result is coming to them because there there is no rehab process, no matter what it is, that's going to be straight linear success. Like it's going to be ups, it's going to be downs, and I I will get to this in a little bit because I feel like now I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, 
what I do is I work with people after their ACL rehab. So these kids and, and active adults get so attached to like, am I hitting certain benchmarks at the right time? I'm like, let's throw that playbook away and focus on, did you make progress? Did you talk to yourself kinder about your body? Because I think another important thing is people get so angry at themselves when they're not making the progress they think they should make. Mm -hmm. So a phrase I find myself saying a lot is like, you need to forgive yourself for being hurt. You need to take a moment and like thank your knee for the progress you've made. Cause think back six months ago where you were. So the idea that you're going to come back like, some random person on Instagram that you saw was surfing within a month of their surgery is ridiculous. You have no idea what that person's life is like. So there's a, there's a good amount of like mental conversation with your own self that I have to try to tap into. And like, how are you addressing yourself? How are you talking to yourself? Are you being kind to your body? And yes, I want you to work as hard as humanly possible, but a big part of it is balancing what you can do today and not getting mad that you're not where you think you should be. And mm. it's, there's no person that walks the line perfectly. So it's, it's kind of a tricky conversation. You have to get to know your athletes and they have to trust you. So that's what I try to do and try to preach, but um, everyone learns that on the kind of their own terms. Yeah. Well, I was about to say, I think, you play such an interesting role because they're in a such a vulnerable space already where if they truly just surrender to that process and, and one of the lessons that I really wish I had learned earlier in life was just this notion that like we aren't our results. We really aren't. Like we are purely how we show up and, and how we choose to be in this moment. The results will take care of themselves which is so much easier said than done and can be so frustrating to hear as an athlete being like, what are you talking about, dude? Like I've been judged on my results my entire life. Like I have the positions that I have because of the results that I have gotten in my life. And so it's, we had a discussion actually on the episode that will come out right before this one is released about really focusing on more process oriented goal setting and how that is a better metric quote unquote for success rather than, Oh, well, could I do X amount of bend in my knee three months post-op or not? It's like, you're, you are no better or worse (laughs) for however much knee bend you can have three months out. It's such an objective, silly benchmark to measure against. Yet. I think we always want to know where we stack up against the other people. And maybe that's just the underlying nature of, competitive athletes always being in this constant, like I need to know where I am in relationship to you and other people in quote unquote, this race towards the one spot, the, the only, only one of us can win. Right. But yeah, what, what you're talking about is we can all win in a lot of ways. Well, we can. And I, I've seen it a lot. I work more outside of the clinic now, but when I was in the clinic, um, I, I remember I had this guy who is, he was like in his thirties and he was an active guy and this kid had got his surgery after him. He was young, under 17. 
and the kid healed so much quicker. Mm. He's like, what's wrong with my knee? Should I get an MRI? Should I? I'm like, no, like this is just your journey and you need to own your journey. And it doesn't mean anything is wrong. Like you're going to live a full and happy life no matter what happens with this. And I'm going to do my best to make sure you get there. But like the issue with comparison, you know, you, you start to think you're not enough or you're not doing mm-hmm. enough. And that's just simply not always the case. Yeah. I think there's such a fine line that exists between community that then can turn into comparison. Like you mentioned missing the team element. There's plenty of times where I was like, wow, I really love my team. But there was a few times where it was like, I can't believe that one teammate beat me in this. And yeah. I, I start to compare. Uh, how do you manage that in a rehab setting where you're trying to build a community of people that are going through a similar thing, but also have their own journey and their own process, their own schedule in in that so that they're not comparison, comparing one another to each, each other each time they come in, but rather it's more of the supportive buildup. It's always trying to turn the conversation away from that person's doing something I can't to what can you do today to set yourself up to be in a better position. And that completing that action is going to give you more peace of mind with your own situation. So it's all about flipping the script a little bit. I like that. There's a there's a little bit of uh, like mindset coaching and therapy. I feel like in your work too. Oh, a hundred percent. Especially what I'm doing now. Half of it is trying to make people see their situation different. Mm-hmm. Even just, I'd say just as much as actually getting physically better. Yeah. Having a better relationship with your health and your health journey and knowing that, and this is not really changing subjects, but a little shift, um, knowing that you're not going to get to a finish line that's, you know, necessarily you're exonerated from taking care of yourself and, and you reach the goal and it's over. Like, no, you are in this for life. So that's why we need to make your mind okay with it and Mm. learn the tools to succeed, even if you're not physically able to reach whatever your goal is. Because when it comes to, you know, ACL repairs, the statistics really are not great. They're getting better, and I'm doing my my part to make (laughs) them better. But not everyone gets to that level. So it's important to be able to accept that this is something that's chronic and you might not be able to ever really stop 100%. You'll know what to do and you'll have tools to self-manage, but there's not always this like magical cheering finish line that Mm -hmm. you score 90% on your hop test and you're done forever. Like, no, if you stop doing what you're supposed to do, you know, your symptoms might come back a little bit. And so you got to be prepared that you're human. I think that's a big part of it. Just like making people see that they are human. And unfortunately that means you're vulnerable. Which I don't think. Yeah. I was about to say, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We have this preconceived notion of what that means. Right. Especially in the athlete world where we, we shouldn't be weak. We shouldn't show weakness. 
Oh, and speaking of weaknesses, you brought up the the statistics of of coming back from ACL. I'm curious, from your perspective, coming from PT and with your CSCS as well, like looking at the amount of frequency of just ACL tears and knee issues in general in sport. Are you shocked by how frequent this stuff is happening, especially at the professional level? Because I know personally, I'm like, I don't, I don't think something is right that a pro athlete, pretty much any given Sunday, we have multiple torn ACLs, people out for mm -hmm. the year. I don't think that should be the case. I'd be curious to hear your take coming from your position too. Well, I'm not surprised, but I, I would hope that these teams are implementing, because there is like certain workouts you could do prevention wise, mm -hmm. but they're not workouts that necessarily make you go faster than your opponent. So I don't know if those are being implemented. Um, in addition, a, a big issue why um, tears are so prevalent is early sport specificity. So if you're not playing a diverse amount of sports, and this really is carries over to most injuries in general, the statistics of injuring yourself are significantly higher. And I would assume if people are making it to this level, there's a, a good chance they specify the sport, you know, at, at least in high school. And what, and what that exactly means is playing or committing to one sport year round. Like an example that I see a lot in like baseball kids is they play in the, the spring, then they work with a pitching coach in the winter, and then they might do some spring training, fly somewhere. And it's really, really bad for your body to do that. Um, and ACLs, you know, they play a very important role in our knee health. And it's something that can very easily tear if you're not doing the maintenance work on your body. Um, and you'd think that a professional athlete, you know, their ability to function and their livelihood is dependent upon it. Um, but it's, it's still, it's hard, not physically hard. Like the science isn't all out on it. Mm -hmm. Like why certain people tear and certain people don't, but we're learning a lot more and great research is coming out. Like I recently was um, reading a piece of research and it was showing that these are, these are post-injury people that this is assessed in. So it's kind of tough to say if it's, if this happened prior to their injury, but within both knees that were tested, there was proprioceptive deficits. So proprioception is your knee's ability to know where it is in space, which is a primary job of the ACL. So it's very likely that these people were kind of predisposed to it mm. and the, just the right lineup of overuse, not doing enough recovery stuff happened that created a tear. And that's particularly talking about non-contact injuries. If you get, you know, knocked in the knee by a 200 pound linebacker, that, that's just chance. Nothing you could do about that. I'm not putting the blame on you for that one, but there is a good amount that are entirely preventable. Yeah. I was about to say it's the non-contact ones that stand out to me. I think just non-contact yeah. injuries in general are so, so interesting to see. 
my brain immediately goes to, well, what was that strength protocol that they were on? <laughs> what yeah. was the recovery? <laughs> well, what were they doing in between the the heavy squat leg sessions, right? Like that's yeah. not what makes you injury proof. Um, I appreciate you sharing that perspective there. And let's kind of like stay on that topic of ACL. I'm really curious, like, why why this demographic why did you choose to kind of pivot your focus in your practice because obviously physical therapy can cover a ton of different areas why have you chosen to focus primarily it's not that you don't help other people with other things but why why the acl and the, the recovery there so in in a traditional pt setting you have a certain amount of sessions you have, you know, maybe top six months of rehab. And I just found that these athletes were so underserved in what they needed. You need to be strengthening most days out of the week. You need to be doing balance. You need to be doing so many different things that, you know, I had four people there at once at any given time. I couldn't provide that service. In addition, I felt like these people, I like to call them long haulers, um, which maybe I shouldn't use that term in COVID land, but it was something that took over a year and all the research is coming out now well over a year before they were really getting better. And there just wasn't something that provided that and made me feel like I could give that one-on-one -on -one attention to, to what they were going through mentally which is why I decided to create the Helios Wellness Project, which is intentionally not medical. It is a personal training and performance initiative that's kind of designed to fill in all the gaps that the medical system is, is creating for this group of people. And you, no matter how many people you know, you know someone that has had an ACL repair. And like, even if they've returned to their activity, like they've got a brace on, they're the guy at, you know, flag football. that's like, oh, I just got to sit out for a couple rounds and ice my knee, even if they are quote unquote healthy. And it's because the medical system is, is not built to help these people adequately. So I wanted to create something that I finally could help my people the way I thought it should be done and mm. not be stuck in a system that didn't work. It wasn't working for these people. Um, in addition, most people that have ACL tears are fairly athletic and they play sports, which is obviously just where my heart is. And I, I very much, part of my identity is loving sports. I loved being a part of sports. I loved the team atmosphere. Moving freely is so important to who I am. And I've, over the years, I've experiences where I lost that ability. And I just felt like I could really connect with this group of people because it can be so horrible and depressing. And the finish line, well, not there is no finish line, yeah. but when you get back to what you love to do, it can be over a year away. And that's a horrible feeling, not knowing if you're going to get to that point. So that's why the Helios Wellness Project was born. 
I love that. Yeah, and so interesting. In the grand scheme of things, a year doesn't sound crazy. It's not long. <laughs> you know, it's not that long, but that's if you get good care. Yeah, that's 100%. if everything goes according to plan, which happens to only a select few people. People in that process. Yeah, and I was about to say, and that's again easier said than than done. Like when you're clearly when you're in that moment when you're going through the rehab process a week feels like way too long like a day feels way too long we want to feel good are out practicing they're out getting better they're out playing to be sitting on the bench and have no ability to participate in that like it can be crushing absolutely Mm. crushing yeah how do you how do you navigate that element of it from like the mental conversation even with people that you're working with with your patients well i i usually try to connect it to my experiences um having cystic fibrosis i had to always fight to stay active and fight to stay doing the sports i love and there was a lot of times where i was on the sidelines i didn't want to be on the sidelines and talking about the ways I learned acceptance because if you don't learn acceptance, it's not going to get better. You can still do things to make yourself more game ready, even if they're not the things you want to be doing, like practicing. So sometimes we'll do some mental imagery, picture what you would have done in the moment. Like let's say if you're watching a game or watching a practice um, and trying to keep yourself mentally there speaking with your teammates and things like that um, completely depends on the person, whether or not they connect with that. But part Mm -hmm. of it is getting to know people and getting to know each one of my clients on an individual level to know what kind of works for them. Um, But I find that usually just saying like, I've been there and I know it sucks. I want you to tell me all the reasons it sucks. And then we're going to talk about what you can do today to make one step in the right direction. But it's never an easy conversation, especially when someone I, I had a situation where someone was over a year out and they came to me and they thought we were going to be doing crazy jumping and, and all that performance stuff they really were craving. Mm-hmm. And I had to be the one to have that conversation like you're not there yet. And I'm the one sidelining you now. But it's only to make you better equipped to do that in the future and better equipped to have your knee health be or your have your knee be healthy for your life. Because a year isn't a long time. But when you're a junior in, in high yeah. school and your senior season is coming up or even in college, like seems like the end of the world. So it's it's a lot of tough conversations. But every time I have one I get a little better at it and people uh feel a little bit better too just acknowledging it sucks mm-hmm. and finding ways to slowly move on well i think that's that's so key the the fact that you actually allow the space and hold the space to acknowledge how they're feeling because so many i hear it all the time there's these quote-unquote mindset coaches out there now these days on the social medias that are like, well, it's just, you got to shift your perspective. It's about like, you should be grateful for what your body can do. It's like, well, yes, to a degree, 
But one of my favorite mental tactics is this technique called the flush it method. And for you to be able to flush anything, you need to first get it out. You know what I mean? Like you got to get it out before you, you, you flush. And that goes with your emotions. That goes with your thoughts. So That's the, such a man way of articulating that. But you know, I, I like sometimes it. Sometimes we, like we need that uh, terminology on here. I mean, that's Literal. how I, I learned it was like, it's okay to to put this out there into whether that be with a trusted individual. Um, I just, I, I really admire that you're holding that space for the people that you're, you're going to, and you really hold this holistic view of them as a human instead of just, for, I'm, I would imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, but first question you ask them is it, so how's the knee feeling today? Like it's more along the yeah. lines of how are you? Like what's going on with your life outside of like what's we'll your about, world like today? Yeah, like we'll talk knee pain in, in a minute, but like I want to know you and sometimes just that simple question beyond like yes, you're gonna talk knee pain. You're gonna talk because that's what you're quote unquote there for. But those little things go so much longer um in helping people really feel feel like something more than just a performer who's sidelined and can't perform at this moment in time. Yeah. I actually open most conversations with you have to tell me one good thing that happened to you since last time I spoke to you and we mm -hmm. can't move on until you tell me something good that happened. And like half the time people are like, oh, I don't know. Like, did you hit a green light on the way here? Like, let's, let's talk about it and just, trying to focus on one thing that has nothing to do with your knee, I think mm. is helpful. But just to backtrack for a second, um, I had a conversation uh, recently and this girl was super sweet. She was, you know, coming up to her, I think sophomore year of college and she was sidelined and she was so trying to phrase it like, but I'm still being positive. And I was like, you're really upset, aren't you? She's like, yeah, I am. I go, I want you to take 20 minutes and just to yourself, throw an absolute temper tantrum. I want you, if you're hit the pillow, get it all out, face it, experience it. So that way it's not crushing you. Because once you let it out, you're going to feel a lot better, even though it sounds so silly. And like, if you're not comfortable telling me about it, it doesn't have to be with me, but you have to experience that emotion mm. in order to flush it. <laughs> exactly, right? You don't want to hold on to stuff. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't no. serve you there. It, it That's a, such a good point too. Of it doesn't have to be you. I tell people all the time, like in the work that I'm doing with more than life coaching space, obviously that's a huge piece of that work is people airing that out and we we come up with ways to flush it together and to to work through stuff but even early on when i'm first meeting with people and building that relationship sounds very similar to you i always recommend people like that's what journaling can be that's what voice noting yourself can be just allow that dialogue to run its course we've almost shifted this pendulum so far the other way of like I mean, you hear it now, toxic positivity and just, you got to be positive. You got to be in the right frame of mind. And then when you find yourself being negative, you 
almost beat yourself up even more, not for the negative thoughts that you're having, but for the fact that you quote unquote, shouldn't be having negative thoughts. Like I should be grateful that my, ridiculous. you know what That's I mean? Ridiculous. It's like, we're just being a human. Isn't that hard. We're making it way harder than it needs to be <laughs> with these kind of objective rules that we've set up as a society. So I, I love that you're, you're holding that space all in all. Um, I think here you, you mentioned coming growing up with with CF. I want to talk on that real quick before we wrap things up. Like, what was your experience like there dealing with those moments of being sidelined, or even the times that you are able to compete? This underlying condition that you more or less like you don't have that much control over, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Like, how do you navigate no, that? Absolutely. So I, a little background on cystic fibrosis, if anyone doesn't know it, it's a genetic disease that affects primarily the lungs and digestive system. It can affect the pancreas. It's a, it's a full body disease. Um, I was very blessed with my upbringing. My mom really instilled in me, like, you're going to have to work very hard and you can't let yourself be a victim. And so I, I never did. Like, I was never like, why did this happen to me? Like, okay, what, what could I do different next time to prevent this? And how can I come back from this better than when I got sick? So mm -hmm. with cystic fibrosis, you kind of psychically get sick. I'm a lot better now. Some really important uh, medication came out. But it was very, very depressing. And I felt like I was losing the battle many times, um, both metaphorically and non-metaphorically. You know, I was getting sicker and sicker. And I was kind of on my way to get a lung transplant by 30. You know, I was coughing up blood going up and down the stairs. And that can, the feeling of loss was so profound for me um, because I kind of had that young person's attitude, like I'm going to overcome the odds. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be, it's different because it's me. And that, that really wasn't the case. Um, so I think that for me being sidelined, was such an important driver to fight to get back because coming off of a, a severe lung infection, you lose your strength, you lose your endurance, all the skills you built up. And it motivated me to try really, really hard. And it would take me several weeks, but I would always find my way back and I think I needed to lose a little bit to have the motivation to win um but I it's it's different than ACL repair because I know I'll never win and mm. I know I will lose the battle and it took me many years to learn acceptance and forgive myself um for not doing everything at every waking moment I could to be healthy. Um, so it was 
it was tough. And I've gone through a lot of really scary, scary times where, you know, they thought I might be brain dead. They like I've I've lived many. I got like I'm a cat with nine lives. Um, but I think the, the my big takeaway is it's not your your fault that you're hurt, not your fault that you're sick, but no one's going to save you but you like. I knew I had to put the work in to get back to where I wanted to be. And it was my responsibility to get there. Um, Now, obviously, cystic fibrosis is, it's a fatal disease. So I think that I'm very peaceful now with my life. And I, I do everything I can to live balanced. Um, which wasn't always the case when I was younger, because obviously you're younger, you think, oh, it'll be fine. I'll do everything. Mm. Um, But I think having that experience of being sidelined has helped me tremendously in life because you learn so much about yourself in the dark times. And I wouldn't be who I am today without having those really negative thoughts but I never let the negative thoughts prevent me from trying, which I think is really important. Even if you don't win and it feels like you're pushing against the brick wall, the glory is in trying. Mm. I was about to say, staying on that theme of like letting it out first, it doesn't mean that you're surrendering to it. Like it doesn't mean you're giving yeah. up and you're away from the white flag by admitting okay, I'm sick. I need to to chill for a second. I'm really frustrated that I'm sick right now of all times. I'm sure that's happened to you at, at plenty of points in your life where it was like, really now this is where, this is when we're having yeah. this thing. Um, but I really appreciate your perspective and just your outlook on it there. Um, thank you for sharing. Welcome. Thank you for listening. Of course. That's that's what I'm here for. And thank you for listening on the on the podcast side of things. Um Kate, I I wanna talk about um the fast five, but before we even get into the fast five, which were just rapid fire, one word, one sentence answers to wrap things up. I just want to acknowledge you for the work that you're doing, the people that you're helping. It's truly making an impact. I know it's quote unquote, relatively newer for you, but I know I can just hear it in your voice and the passion that you bring to it. You're, you're onto something here. So don't lose sight of that, please. And for those listening in, like we're going to be rooting for you. Fast five though. You ready for them? I'm ready. Cool. Number one, what's your go-to podcast that you're listening to? Um, depends on the day. But recently, I've been listening to The Genius Life. Um, it kind of talks about relating nutrition to how well you can feel. And I think uh, Max Lugavera comes out with a lot of really interesting stuff that I'm super excited about and excited to share. I love it. Number two, what's your favorite book that you've read in the past year? Ooh, so I have... I know this is supposed to be one sentence, but I can't keep it, can't keep it to one sentence. Um, so every year I read The Growth Mindset and 
I've recently been listening in, as an audiobook to Catastrophic Care, which is about how our medical system is dropping the ball and making people worse. Amazing. Insurance a, system. Yeah, yeah. I was like, not you. <laughs> Clearly. Not me, not me. Yeah, yeah. Number three, um, what is a quote that you live by? I fear the man that kicks once a thousand times a day more than the man that kicks 1,000 times in one day. I like that. Is that Bruce Lee? Yeah, it is. Is that amazing? Amazing. Number four. Like water. Like water. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, what is something that you can't live without? Um, exercise and coffee. At the same time? That was two things. It's okay. Ex yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was about to say, if you do it at the same time, it's one thing. I, we won't count it against yeah. you. I'm going fast, baby. I'm there going go. fast. <laughs> Number five, um, if you could sum up your focus right now, just one word, what's that word? Can I do two words? Go for it. You're just breaking all the rules. <laughs> breaking every rule today. Um. Better life. I like that. I like it. Well, Kate, again, thank you for spending some time with us tonight. I appreciate it. Um, where can those listening in find more of you, connect with the Helios Project, everything that you're doing there, and just you personally learn more about your story? So I have my website, casenetandwellness.com. And really the best way to reach me, talk to me is... Um, through my Instagram, which is uh, Helios Wellness Project. Amazing. Amazing. We'll have those all linked below. Thanks again for spending some time.